0: Welcome, everyone, to In the Green Room. I'm Kinga, and we are going to have an exciting show. I have uh, the famous Jason Stewart.
1: Thank you so much for having me, and we have another exciting guest that was last minute we decided to bring. It was my daughter, Liliana Day Stewart.
0: Hi, guys. Say hello.
2: It's her first
1: podcast. You know, your sister used to do a lot of radio shows with me. Did she? A little fighter, Jasmine.
0: Because you're so interesting. It's, it's really remarkable how you started off you know, with this really rough childhood. Uh, and I want you to kind of go into detail about that and how you've turned out to be this amazing hero. Uh, you have uh, a mastermind, epic mastermind, um, annual event. event, mm-hmm. And then you also, uh, you help people cr- create wealth. And mm-hmm. uh, you're also a martial arts expert, and you put on these promotions. Uh, epic fighting. Thank you. Yep. So can you start from the beginning? How... Like childhood beginning? Yes.
1: Uh, I was born in West Virginia. Uh, Dad flew to San Diego when he found out my mom was pregnant. They weren't really together together. They had like kind of been with each other. Maybe dating was the word. And so I, uh, <coughs> from San Diego, uh, things didn't work out. My mom moved to South Bronx with me. My mom was a wild child. She was uh, hanging out with people that she probably shouldn't have, doing things that she probably shouldn't have been doing. And she got into using drugs and then selling drugs to supplement income. And um, I got a little hectic. I saw my mom get robbed in front of me, a knife to her throat. We, they, uh, the guy took me when I was five and her into an abandoned apartment. How um, terrible. She went to the cops and the cops didn't do anything. And so there was a lot of drama like that going on in the South Bronx. But... Um, she knew that it was getting a little hectic, so she sent me on a plane by myself. So the first time I flew by myself was from New York back to West Virginia when I was five. And she was supposed to come get me two weeks later, and she was going to make a lot of money, do one big drug deal. And within that two weeks, she got shot. When she went to the hospital and they were doing you know, tests on her to try to keep her alive, the bullet went into her lung. And so she kind of had one lung for the rest of her life. While she was there, they found out she had HIV, AIDS. And so uh, she spent three years in that hospital back when people only lived for three months with AIDS. You know, no one lived. She said she never had one person that went on her floor. She was on the the same hospital that's on the movie Born on the Fourth of July. It's like the worst hospital in the world. The rats are the size of cats and the the (laughs) staff is really mean to you. She had so many stories about that hospital. But she basically wouldn't die. Like she was the only person. She said she never had a friend for longer than six months. And then that friend would die, and then they'd put give her a new person, and like you know, next to her that she would get to know, and uh, and she's she, trying
0: to stay alive for you. I think you said it. In I, I would say
1: that. Yeah, that was always kind of her. She's holding on for you, and so she ended up uh, living. I, I I lived with an aunt for three years. She and her quote unquote she escaped the hospital, and as she escaped the hospital, she was about. They tell me she was like seventy pounds. Oh. And emaciated. Um, yeah, and so she kind of just lived with her mom, my grandmother, and she got her back to where she could function and got her eating a bunch of foods and stuff. I don't know how she was surviving um, with the, you know, the medicine wasn't great back then. But then she came to see me and took me from my aunt one day. My aunt said, You're, Jason has a surprise today. And living with my three cousins, Yay. I never got surprises because they were their kids. And I was just kind of like the just kind of got thrown on them. And they're, you know trying to make do with this extra kid who's wild and whatever. And so I never got any type of special treatment or surprise. And this is the one day I was getting a surprise. And I, all day I was like, is it a toy? Is it cake? Am I like getting a cake? <laughs> and it ended up being my mom coming to pick me up. It's
0: incredible. And, and you hadn't
1: seen her in five years? Three years. Three well, years. From, from five to eight, I didn't see my mom or really wow. my dad. I think I saw my dad once or twice for like a, a day or two.
0: Lily, have you heard this all these details before? And how does this make you feel i mean aren't you proud that your dad is such an amazing dad now and yeah it's
2: crazy how old are you when you were with your aunt
1: from five to eight
2: yeah i can't so every time my
1: kids are that age in the back of my head for those whole three years i'm always thinking i had no parents from five to eight and it's crazy because that five to eight is such a transformational time in your life you know it's so important and so i'm always really excited during that time like like right now my son is eight and I'm like, I'm almost at the age where I would have seen my mom again. And I'm, like, picturing myself in him. And I did the same thing with Lily, and I did the same thing with Jasmine, my oldest.
0: Really, your life is a movie. Uh, you're going to have to meet uh, a friend My mom's be life is this. a movie. <laughs> my mom's life would be the blockbuster hit. And I think we should call it epic. Yeah.
1: yeah. You
2: should make a movie. That'd be cool. Right?
1: So my mom's motivation, like you said, was me. So I remember one time, like, growing up, I, we would always go to doctor's appointments, and I would always hear from her and from doctors that she had six months to live. And I just got used to hearing that from, from 10 years old, 12 oh. years old, 14 years old. And then I remember I was uh, just about to turn, uh, I was about 17. And it was a very serious meeting. These doctors were in from all over, mm-hmm. all these specialists. They, they used to fly in from around the world to, to study my mom because she wasn't supposed to be alive. And not only is she alive, but she's, like, highly functional. Like, there's no oxygen tank. She's wow. taking my daughter shopping at the mall. She's cussing out people that don't agree with her. Like, she's she's full of energy, you know, for someone who's, like, has one lung and AIDS and drug-induced diabetes. Incredible. And, like, all of the stuff wrong with her. Uh, liver's shot. And so they told her, like, look, your mom needs heart surgery. If she doesn't get the heart surgery, she'll die within a year. Mm. If she gets the heart surgery, there's a 50% chance she'll live or die. 50-50. What do you want her to do? And I'm 17 years <laughs> They're old. They're asking you this. They're asking me. These doctors oh are goodness. looking at me like your mom has decided that you're going to make the decision. Wow. And I said. She, she just gave you
0: all the credit. It's and I amazing. was just
1: like, why are you putting this on me? I was like, first of all, you guys are all wrong. Cause I've heard this before. I heard this from West Virginia growing up. (laughs) I heard this in San Diego when we moved out here. And so I'm like, you guys are wrong again. They're like, this time we're not wrong. These are the best doctors in the world from all over the world. And we are telling you 100%. She dies in a year or she's 50, 50 on the heart surgery. I don't decide. They put it back to my mom and my mom says, my goal has been to get you to graduate. And we came from a bad neighborhood where, believe it or not, a lot of people, you know, end up on drugs. They don't graduate. A lot I had a couple of friends died at 16. One guy was thrown off a bridge. A couple of people OD'd. Very few of my friends lived till 30. So to her, me graduating high school was a huge accomplishment for what I'd been through.
0: Right? And it's, it's a huge accomplishment that you stayed away from the drugs and alcohol. You did not do anything, Never did correct? anything.
1: I was around it my whole life, so there was no curiosity there, so to speak. And so... Um, she decided I'm not going to get the surgery because I was going to graduate within a year. Like I was, at, I was towards the end of my junior year, and so she did the math. She said, "I will live long enough to see him." Or actually, no, I think I was at the beginning of my senior year, or maybe it was the summer in between. I just remember the math worked out to where if she lived a year, she would see me graduate, and then she would have like a few months left, and then she'll be then she'll be die happy. Well, come my high school graduation, she's. Bawling. like she's the only parent Aww. that's just crying their eyes out, like of tears of joy. And I'm like, it's high, you're supposed to graduate high school. Aww. This is not a big accomplishment, but to her it was because she wasn't supposed to live that long. Right. You k- keep in mind when you get when you find out you have AIDS in the early '80s, nobody lived, and so they kept telling her she's going to die, she's going to die. And now she's seeing her son graduate, who she got reunited with, and all this stuff. And and God, so God kept she her was life. super Even happy. God. Follow up doctor appointment after high school graduation. We go to the doctor. I go with her. They check her out and everything. They do the little kind of like the ultrasound or the whatever scans they do or check out her heart, x rays, whatever. Echocardiogram. There you go. And they said, My dad's a heart doctor. There you go. (laughs) I would have never pulled that one out. (laughs) And they said, You know what? Um, Not only does your mom uh, not look like she's going to die, but she doesn't need the heart surgery. Her wow. heart strengthened on its own. Wow, it's a miracle. And so she lived for several more years and got to see me have a child, and then that was her new motivation after I had my daughter Jasmine. And then she even got to see Lily. Lily was
2: wow. Lily was a baby. I don't remember her much because I was really little. <clears throat> she
1: was tiny. But you got to meet her. That's a I
2: blessing.
0: Did, yeah. What a blessing. Yeah, she
1: was. She must oh. have died when you were like almost two or something, two or somewhere around there. Do you have pictures with her? I think so. Yeah, yeah, she has pictures holding her. But yeah, so. Um, so a lot of my, you know, when, whenever she passed away, the one thing that I s- whispered in her ear kind of as she was dying is good job. You did a good job because Aww. her biggest fear was, you know, and, and as parents, some, a lot of times you overcompensate for all the things you did wrong. You try really hard to do a bunch of stuff right and give the kid everything you want. And you could always see that in her. I was like, you know what? You did a good job. And I'm going to prove that. And it was extra motivation when she passed away. Shortly after she passed away, I started the company Epic Fighting. Um, still never, you know, did drugs or, you know, never smoked anything, never drank alcohol, never been drunk in my life. And, and, and so, I,
0: I, I like remember you explained to me that she went through each drug and what it did to you. Yeah. That, it, Can it we was, talk about that a little absolutely, bit? Absolutely, that yeah. kind of scared you. And it, it no, it was huge. And when, I'm, and when I'm
1: parenting my kids, I try not to, and it's hard. It's hard not to be like, no, you can't do that, and no, 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 you know, and to, to be overprotective. But I try to give them a certain amount of freedom because my mom gave me a lot of freedom. My mom never told me not to do drugs, believe it or not. My mom would tell me the pros and cons of each drug. She said, if you want to do the heroin, it'll be the best feeling you've ever had in your life. You will never do anything else that feels better than heroin, ever. No one will. She said, the first time you do it. After that, you're going to be, she called it, chasing the dragon. And you go the rest of your life trying to get that feeling. And you'll never get it, but you'll always crave a taste of it. You're always going to try it again, thinking that it's going to be the same. And every time you do it, it's just like, not as quite as good, not as quite as good. And it's going away each time. And that's how people's lives get ruined, because they do anything to get that hit. And so it's still a great feeling, she said, but it's never as good as the first time. Uh, She said marijuana. She said they're lying to you about it in school you won't go home and kill your whole family if you, if you if you smoke a joint. She said, highly recommend marijuana in the medical community. It, could be, it should be 100% legal. The people who made it illegal are the real bad guys. She was saying this before. It was cool to say. And um, <clears throat> she said, the only thing about marijuana is it's bad for your lungs if you smoke it, and it will take away a lot of ambition. She's like, if you want to do sports and stuff, you don't want to be smoking anything. And if you want to get a lot done and accomplish a lot of things uh being high is probably not the best state to do it unless you just want to be like an artist or something like that but if you're trying to build businesses or crush it in sports and stuff that might not be it and so I was like okay sounds like it's going to make you lazy that's not the one for me um and then on and on and on she told me about all the different drugs and and so plus just having the people at my house her being a drug dealer and me seeing what these cool kids look like at 30 and they're already missing teeth and have holes in their face from scratching. Um, she had a lot of crystal meth addicts. Uh, she had a lot of heroin addicts. A lot of people. By the time I got into like double digit age, uh, the pills were a big thing, and so less people shooting heroin, more people snorting "quote unquote" heroin through oxycodone and oxycotton pills and stuff like that. And so um, I got to see all of these people' lives ruined, so to speak, mm. or their health ruined, at a relatively young age in my head believe it or not now kids usually think like 30 and 40 is really old in my head that was young because I had set a goal from a really young age that I was going to live deep into my hundreds <laughs> like way into my hundreds it's I was such a great live. goal so I'm like 40 <laughs> not even halfway 50 not even halfway like and so I want to be healthy I saw a commercial once of this guy who was barefoot water skiing at 75 and I'm like that's me <laughs> Well, 100%. I think we spoke
0: about the fact that my grandma is 105. 105. And she totally exudes uh, health and wealth as far as, like, she, she's, uh, her posture is just perfect, and she lives alone, and she eats healthy. And, you know, she's never, ever done any drugs, uh, and she's never been, you know, ha- ha- she never had any one certain diet She just was, you know, just have everything in moderation. Yeah. Uh, She, she'd have a glass of wine or two. That is it. She would stop. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing, you know, never. And that's common in the
1: blue zones. It's common in the blue zones to have a glass of wine or two. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, That's common. They don't always, they, they're definitely, none of the blue zones are like low carb. All these diet fads that go in and out, you know, it's low fat and then it's low carb. Um, Most of the blue zones aren't low carb or low fat. You know, they eat a lot of bread, but the one thing that they do is they make the food, together as a family yes and they're actually making it they're not buying a lot of processed stuff it's all natural mm-hmm. i mean pretty they're much eating a or- lot of stuff from the ground typically organic the because they zone. garden it's organic they made it themselves they don't know yes. the these chemicals and stuff they know that it just takes a lot of work to get something to grow and then you can feed the family with it and there's um a lot of people living in one household a lot of times when they're growing up and they walk a lot i walks.
0: think it's kind of the your lifestyle Jason, because it sounds like, I know, uh, Lily, do you do a lot of walking and biking and skating?
2: I do. I walk and bike a lot, yeah.
0: And just your, you eat a lot of healthy food.
2: Yeah, I try to, at least. Yeah. Did Grandma Mona ever change her diet after she, like, had AIDS? Did she eat healthier? Do you think that's why she lived longer?
1: Um, She definitely wasn't, like, a health nut when it came to that stuff, but she,
2: well. Or did she stop drugs?
1: On and off. She still did drugs after after she got out. Yeah, She she still did drugs. I think the last time that she shot up heroin was like 96. I remember her telling me that she came to San Diego and she hadn't done it. It was 96 or 98. I forgot which year. But I was in high school. And She said she remembers that she did it once and she said that would be the last time and that she never did. And then she said, uh, I told her that she couldn't hang out with my daughter if she was smoking. And it's funny how you're addicted to something until you have the motivation to quit, right? Because on heroin, she didn't take, you know how people have to go to these facilities and take all this stuff. For her, it was just, she quit cold turkey. With smoking, she didn't, you know, she just, she did do the Nicorette gum. That that, that became a thing for her eventually. But, like, just from one day to the next, she just never had a cigarette again. Because her being able to spend time with my daughter was more important. And she was, like, our go-to person to watch her. And it's like, okay, you know, they're, her mom has lots of family members that can watch her. So that's fine. No, 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 no. I still want to be that person. She quit.
0: <laughs> well, it's really incredible.
1: I mean, your story,
0: like I said, it's a movie. I mean, for you to come from that upbringing and to be where you are now, uh, what would you say? Do you, I mean, did you turn to God? Uh, did you have a mentor? Or what is what would you say is the one thing <clears throat> that kept you away from the drugs and just working strong? I know you are a... You know, self-made, successful businessmen.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was neither of those things, really. It, it was um, my mom's approach. So most parents would never be that open with their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and a lot of it is luck. Like, I think about where I would be if my dad didn't make it to San Diego, and then I visited him, him a few summers, and then I moved out here when I was 14 and never moved back to Charleston. Because I had some friends at Charleston that were – not doing that bad, but still didn't make it. You know what I mean? Um, I also think about, like, it's. it sounds funny, but Dave Chappelle had a, a special. I love Dave Chappelle. He's Definitely. hilarious. And he <laughs> said uh, that a lot of people assume he was from the hood, but his mom actually made just enough money to be poor around white people. And he said that he went <laughs> to a friend's house, and he said it was crazy. Like, he's at their house, and they're all in the living room without their jackets on in the middle of winter. <laughs> and like they had dinners together and like you know families the, the parents are married like we, that wasn't common in my neighborhood and so i had this friend ben he was a jewish guy and the only reason he was my friend is because i i switched schools a lot because my mom was just like we were sleeping on people's couches and different people that we could just stay with and so middle of the school year i would just switch schools
0: but you and, actually went to school
1: <laughs> but i went to school and so i went yeah it, right perspective and so I went to this uh, new school and trick-or-treat, Halloween. I, had, I knew no one. And the guy sat in front of me. I tapped on his shoulder. I was like, are you going trick-or-treating tonight? He's like, yeah. I was like, who are you going with? He said, well, uh, just some friends from there. I was like, can I go with you? And he's like, <laughs> uh, I guess so. <laughs> I have to ask my mom. And it was just proximity. He was sitting in front of me. And I was just like more scared about not trick-or-treating than getting out of my comfort zone and just asking a complete stranger. He seemed like a nice kid, right? He seemed harmless. And he was, and I ended up becoming friends with him and just seeing a little bit different perspective. I didn't think about that till actually I saw the special, but what if that once a month when I would hang out with him versus my friends who were all poor and parents on drugs and all these different things or living in these, these wrong environment or, you know, more harsh environments, when I would walk over to his neighborhood that had this brick street and it was just a tiny little street that went in and out, but all the houses were nice on that street. If I wasn't exposed to that, like how much impact did that have? They had dinner at the same time every night. I would eat dinner with them. They had manners, something I wasn't too familiar with, you know, <laughs> like it was just a different atmosphere. So there's lots of things in your life that um, yeah, I feel I feel really blessed. And also, like be. when I'm out here, I mean, you are blessed when I'm out here and somebody's trying to start drama or create, uh, you know, the, play the victim or or tell me about how awful things are because such and such happened. It's perspective, like compared to where I grew up. This it's mi- it's your this mindset. Paradise, yeah. Would you say it's your mindset? The weather is great. Th- we have the ocean. Do you know how grateful I am that we live by the Gosh. ocean? So it's really hard to get me to complain now.
0: But you gotta love the ocean, Lily.
2: I do you love feel the so, ocean. so blessed to live I can here. I go every day.
0: So Coronado, and,
1: and that's I was enough. gonna
2: go today before we. She was you. on her
1: way to jump off of the pier. Whenever we told her, come be on this podcast. And all her friends are like, Lily, where are you going? <laughs> yeah,
2: they're like, no, come with us. I was like,
1: sorry. But I, I think, I She's think like,
0: sorry, I have to be on In the Green Room, in the yeah. green room. green because we're saving the planet. One show, one at, show, show at a time. One show at a time.
1: So Jay, who's sitting here in the studio, I think hello. could attest, because Jay met me thr- uh, Jay met me before I moved to Coronado. And Jay's one of many people who, when they see me, and they say that they feel I look way healthier, and a lot younger. Like, everyone's like, you're aging in reverse. And <laughs> for a while, I didn't know what they were talking about, but living in where we live, and also, I had made a few other decisions. I decided that I'm not going to sit in an office for 8, 10 hours a day under fake light, That's fake so unhealthy. Air. That's so unhealthy, yeah. right? I can work from home. There's no reason I can't work. I'm in the office in front of a computer and an office phone, but I'm doing everything from my cell phone anyway. Exactly. Why do I need to be here, right? Exactly. And so we started skateboarding every day biking every day going to the ocean every day going doing our workouts outdoors working out at the park doing more dynamic stuff we go to the beach and we'll skateboard the whole way there body surf swim run on the beach and come back
2: we're learning how to surf too
1: thank you
0: and and you know what that all that is so sustainable and it's good for our planet because you're you're enjoying the earth Mm -hmm. and and you're not you're being eco-friendly. You're not using uh, the gym where we you have rarely
1: drive. Like Ever today, we drove to. here, and this is the first time I've had my car in like weeks. three weeks, maybe yeah, three weeks. So you're biking. I rent my car out biking, to other people.
2: running, skating, roller skating—something I'm learning.
1: Roller skating, yeah, she can roller skate. So when you go to the grocery store, free skates. Who's free carrying skates, the groceries?
2: Crazy. Um, we have a basket on our bike, so we just take the bike, put the groceries in the that. basket.
1: If we have like, extra bags, we just put, put them on, on the handlebars. Handle.
0: So, so, Jay, do you feel like he looks so
3: much healthier? Since, since when I first met him, most definitely. Hold on one second. There, uh, we, there, go, we, there we go. There we go. We hear you now. Since I first met Jason, um, i say he aged in reverse. Definitely, when you play all day, it'll do that for you. Yeah, on the sun, not from un, uh, artificial lighting. Um, definitely a lifestyle most people hope to live. And you're what you're I, living
1: the dream. What I found was I used to sit in the office all day grinding, and I would brag about not taking – that. by the way, I'd brag about not taking vacations. That's an American thing. No other country does that. It, it's We're stressful. The, I mean Japan, actually. Japan will do that. but like, The Blue Zone people do not do that. But and the Blue Zone people <laughs> never do that. A- okay, and and what's the goal? To work hard, make a bunch of money, and die young, die young? Wh- of stress and yes. pancreatic cancer and all this stuff that is proven to be caused by stress and all this – and So um, so we have to remind our listeners that uh, the Blue Zones is a
0: way of life. It is the centenarians that live to be over 100. And uh, we'll be
1: talking about that a lot in future shows. One of them is right up the road here. You can take the five north to your Belinda, It's like an hour and a half away. Exactly. That's one of the Blue Zones. That was really uh, interesting to learn. So uh, one is what, Sardinia, Italy? Yeah, Italy, Okinawa, Japan. Mm-hmm.
0: I think there's a couple. in there. <laughs> And then we have the one here in California that's three. Where are the two others? Somebody there's one on s- the way to Vegas, I believe. Uh, so oh, really? So maybe somebody can look that up. Yeah, we'll look him up. We'll look yeah. it up and let you know. We'll, we'll we'll put it in the link in the bio. So, Lily, do you feel like you are learning from your dad? I mean, he's completely ripped. He's eating so healthy. He's, you know, s- staying at the peak. How, how are you? like, what is your daily regimen?
2: Well, he likes to challenge me to learn a lot of new things all the time and I usually don't want to I'm like dad I don't really want to do this but once I learn it's always a lot more fun than you think it is I love that something he always tries to tell me because every time he wants me to learn something new I'm always so against it and he's like just wait till you learn it you're gonna love it and I always end up loving it
0: I love that so so is it by reading books or does he give you questions to go
1: find the answers to to, to learn like
2: new skills like free skating have you ever heard of free skates I haven't they're like. Um, you
1: have to go to my social media page and check them yeah. out, but they're okay. very difficult to learn. Jay knew how to ride them. Jay and our mutual friend Lance, who's like the king of free skates, they kind of taught me how to do it. And what is it? I don't know what I've never it's heard like of free uh, skates. <laughs> it's individual platforms that each foot goes on. It's not locked in, you're just standing on them. Each one has two wheels that you're riding sideways like a skateboard, but you're doing a movement. If To the untrained eye, it would look like a ripstick for people that know what a ripstick is like. Is it sort of new? Your, your feet are going like th- It's not well known. If you see it, everyone like usually if I go down the boardwalk, one by one, people are like, whoa, what the heck is that? It sounds like you need to market it. Well, there's people marketing it, and there's, there's companies that make them. But that, took, that takes weeks for most people to learn. And most people don't want to sit there with the patience okay. to try over and over and over and not do it. But once you learn how to do it, it's a very freeing and gratifying feeling. And same with surfing. Surf, nobody just stands up on a, a surfboard, for the most part, on their first wave. It's very difficult. But once you learn it, that feeling of standing up on a wave is so worth it. And that's how everything is. Like building a business, it's exciting for a minute until you start running into obstacles and then it's like, what am I doing? I'm not even making money yet and it's taking all my time. Like, but once you get past that point and the cha ching start happening and you start getting notifications on your phone, money, money, you've received money, all of a sudden it's fun. Like So so tell us about that a little bit. And and also the How did you start making your money? How did you get to where you are right now? So, what was your first job? My first job, I was uh, as soon as I was old enough to work. I think it was like right at my 16th birthday. I got a job at a restaurant in Seaport Village called the Pier Cafe. That I know it. Very difficult job. If anyone's who's been in the restaurant industry, there's not really there's not many easy jobs in the restaurant industry. And the hardest one is probably busing tables, that's probably the most physically demanding. Serving is a lot is still very physically demanding, not nearly as much as busing, but a little more dealing with personalities and some people the mental toll. But busing is like the most physically challenge, challenging. And so I was busing tables there and they didn't even have bus tubs to put the dishes in. You had to stack everything up on one of those big oval trays and then carry it down the stairs through the kitchen wow. without it falling and breaking. And every day somebody dropped and and, and would break a bunch of stuff. And so, you know, you'd have blisters on your feet from going, from walking so much and long shifts and sweating the whole day. And so, but to me, I would rather work three times as hard and make twice the money than to waste my time there making minimal money, because I'd rather be doing something else. I'd rather be hanging out with friends or be at the beach. so if I'm not going to be able to do what I love to do, because busing wasn't my passion, either was any other <laughs> either was any other job that was hiring, so to speak, that I had seen. So I might as well be making more per hour. And so back then I was making 16, 17 dollars an hour when I factored in my tips because minimum wage was 425. and I'm like, I'm not making 425, but for 15, 17 an hour. I was making more than my dad and stepmom at the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Good job. And so after that, I um, got and, a job. And you were, at what, 16, 17? 16. Okay. And then I went to Pier Cafe, bus tables, waited tables a little bit. While I was um, at Old Spaghetti Factory. I went to Old Spaghetti Factory. And at Old Spaghetti Factory, I ended up getting another job because I found out I had a baby coming on the way. So I was working at s- KFC, hauling around chicken. I was a chicken delivery boy for KFC. And I also sold supplements out of the trunk of my car. And then I also had a job as a fitness trainer right around that time. And that was the job I was passionate about. So I was really excited to get that job. Once that started going well, I slowly started doing less and less of the other stuff. And I stayed training people in the physical fitness world, which... Literally, my high school project was on being a fitness trainer. That's how passionate I was about so, it. So wow, you were still in high school and being a personal I trainer. A, oh, I was in high school, and that was my se- like everybody has to do a senior project on something they're interested in. Mine was about being a personal trainer, and so uh, even when I was a kid, my my go to term was physically fit. You guys need to do this because you're not physically fit. If you guys are physically fit, you can hang with me on the like everything was like. You need, like, I was the most annoying cousin to my cousin. My cousin Lindsay would have to hear it every day. Well, you can't jump rope properly because you're not physically fit enough. Like, I was just this annoying little kid that was just running around and wanting to be active all the time and thought everyone else needed to be that way. So, six years fitness training, a bunch of clients said, You know, you'd be good at real estate. I'd be like, Why do you say that? Like, everything that makes you a good trainer would make you good at real estate. I was like, That sounds like no overlap at all. They said, Customer service. Right? Your salesmanship, showing how to provide value, always putting your clients first. Like, all of your clients buy again and again and again from you. You've had clients for six years, you know? That will be the same in real estate. I was like, but but what would be the difference? Like, I'm already doing something. I was like, just more money. And they started telling me how much money. And I'm like, I can make more on one real estate deal than, like, three months of working. That was the... The most successful trainer as far as like at the gym, like I had the most clients, I worked the most hours, I made the most money, but I could close one deal and make more than three months of that. <laughs> All right, I'll look into it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, my first deal, I handed a guy who. So, thought so
0: hold on, you had to go get your real estate license. I was what still age?
1: training. I was still training. 24.
0: OK, so 24, so, yeah. you got your license.
1: 24, I got my license. First time. First time you took the test, you passed? I passed the first time, yeah. Good job. I'm know i I'm good at taking tests because I'm lazy and I don't like to do a lot of work. <laughs> and so I got really good <laughs> at figuring out how to ace, like, or pass tests, you should say. But, yeah, I remember on the, on the test, I was like, easy, 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 easy. Because I'd already went over all the answers. Um, and I have a good uh, memory. I can memorize, like, uh, scenes of movies and song lyrics and stuff like that. That's just something I've always been good at. And so that helps for testing. Which is kind of sad that we do so much testing on that when a lot of testing should be more problem solving because that's more transitional to the real world. And that's something that I've gotten really good at. But um, so, yeah, I passed it and I started selling. And I was nervous that I wouldn't be as passionate about it as I was with fitness training. Because with fitness training, you do have the people that just never listen and never follow a diet, but those people that <laughs> those people that listen to what you say and and their body and they see the progress, it's so rewarding. All the fitness trainers out there know like that's the most <laughs> rewarding thing. Like you're more excited about it than they are half the time. Right. So,
0: so hold on. So did you ever say to a uh, to one of your customers, "Okay, you're not taking this advice. You're not losing any weight. You're not getting no." What I I'm found, firing it. <laughs> so so okay. <laughs> a little, little side
1: topic there. What I found was no matter what you do right, if you do everything right, if the mind doesn't change, the body won't change. And so I was giving them the right diet, I was giving them the right workouts, they're working <laughs> hard, their, their performance is improving. Their, their running is getting better, or they're, they're getting stronger. The, the amount that they can lift is better. Like all of these things, they're, flex, they're getting more flexible, but they're just a higher performing athlete in the same body. A lot of times. And a lot of that just has to do with the programming. Mom said that I'm built just like her and she's big and we're big boned in my family. (laughs) And if that's your programming since a little kid, until you fix that, you're big boned. So so instead, you
0: you need to tell yourself, I'm getting
1: So it starts up here. And that's something I didn't understand fully when I was a fitness trainer. I was just like, why is this not working? Why is this person not getting it? And it's because they just didn't have the mindset. And now I understand that. And the mindset will pull everything else into place. And it's the most important piece of the puzzle. But I was nervous. But but some people got it and some people would change and it was super rewarding. And I was nervous about getting that same level of uh, fulfillment in real estate. Luckily, my first client was a was a training client.
0: Oh, of course. Of course they wanted to come back for more.
1: Yeah. And so he... Th- Grew up, and his name was Ernest. He was a black guy. He was great. We became great. You know, you're, you became a therapist, too, as a fitness trainer. So some people keep coming back, and they're not even cared about the fitness anymore. They need to get some stuff off their chest during this workout, and you're the guy they're venting to, which is fine. But what I noticed uh, about him was in his head, he couldn't own a home. He grew up in a, in a place where he had never met a black person that owned a home. And he didn't think that that was a f- – it, was, it wasn't it was even on his bucket list. This man was well into his 40s, I believe, and and he had never even thought about owning a home. So mindset again. And me being, being Jason, in this Jason, would you business, agree it's kind oh, of like absolutely. a mindset thing? Okay. Absolutely. Your program. So I'm like, well, you're a mailman. Mailmen make good money. They have zero down programs right now. You don't need a down payment. <laughs> Your credit doesn't have to be great. Back then they were giving loans to you for anything. And so I was like, you can own a home. And I remember, Oh, you're a good salesman. here. So I remember uh, <laughs> he was like, I don't think so, I don't think so. And I went, and I, got, I finally got him to turn in his documents and stuff. I'm like, bro, you qualify. And when he got his first home, he's like, you got to pinch me. This doesn't, this that's doesn't incredible. feel real. Like, that's
0: really helping others, and that's, that's what we're And about. that was so Recognizing satisfying. Recognizing you're a
1: hero. Thank you. That was so satisfying to me that I was like, okay, I can do this. And then my second client was my dad. My dad was like, man, son, I would love to sell my home, but do you know the amount of taxes I would have to pay? Now, I'm Mr. When I get into anything, I do all the research, right? When I got, was a fitness trainer, before I even started training people, I can say with confidence, and this will sound a little bit arrogant, but I was the most knowledgeable fitness trainer in the whole gym. I believe it. And like <laughs> people, and, and, it, and it played out to be true because people would come to me and ask, they're, they're asking me what in this Gatorade is the electrolytes. I don't know. I'm like, it's just salt. I'm like, so what, they just put salt in Gatorade and call it electrolytes? Yeah, it's just sugar water with salt. And everyone come to me with, they're asking me what uh, muscles you work, and I knew the proper name. I actually went to college and took anatomy and physiology classes because I was, like, that serious about being the best trainer, you know? And so um, when I got into real estate, as soon as my dad said that, I'm already, like, taking all the classes, any free classes that, that the brokerage would give. I was in those classes learning, learning, learning. I actually memorized Parts of the listing agreement and the buyer's agreement. No one does that. (laughs) Like, it's like ridiculous. Wow. And so he said, I'm going to have to pay so much taxes. I'm like, Dad, you've lived there two out of the last five years. You you get $250,000 tax free. He's like, That's impossible. In America, everyone pays taxes. I'm like, You won't pay taxes. When he found that out, I sold his home. He got to keep all the money, didn't have to pay any taxes. So number two was a win. And then it was just on and on and on from there. And, um, I still do it. I still do real estate. I also invest in properties and stuff now, have a property in Arizona. Um, He'll be in Arizona
0: very soon for us to do another show. Let's do it.
1: But, yeah, so then um, as I was doing real estate, I got into the um, epic fighting. and That was a whole other story, and that opened a lot of doors for me. So a lot of the opportunities I've had have come through epic fighting and epic mastermind experience. And what's funny is most of those opportunities came when I wasn't making any money. So, so, so have you been trained
0: with martial arts? Is, is that where you got your background? Yeah, with Yeah, so
1: that? My, my mom got me into martial arts at a young age. Okay. I instantly excelled at it because it was just some passion there. I was just always, like, if you took me to Blockbuster, for those of you that remember Blockbuster, yes. I'm coming home with a kung fu movie or a martial art movie. <laughs> that was me since, <laughs> since my first trip to Blockbuster. Was Jay there? No, Jay was later but i was always into it but there's a funny story about jay and um, jay does jiu jitsu and he's been doing jiu jitsu and i Jared was
0: wondering if if you, if you also train him well do you want uh, you want to tell, tell
3: him the
1: story
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> all right so this is when i first started working with a uh, with jason um he, so jason does jiu jitsu i didn't think he trained uh, i thought he was just a fight promoter who who just looks the part, you know? I was like oh, this guy don't train, so most people just see me
1: in a suit. They would see me at the office with a suit, and uh, I'm not the guy that goes to the gym every day, like even even to take classes or anything like that. So most people are pretty confident if they train that they could whoop my ass. Yeah. Like so most, <laughs> so, most people yeah. would assume. So I I'm just so- so in a suit and a long soft time. guy <laughs> with curly hair <laughs> in a suit, like you know, nice guy. So I
3: sized up Jason. I was like, man, this, this is one of those like. Buff guys, like, just useless muscles. I'm going I'm I'm to whoop him up. And for those of you em that em can't up, whoop see whoop Jay, up. Jay's a big dude. Jay was probably, what, 270 at the time? 270, yeah, like 270.
1: He's, he's a solid big guy. <laughs> and so what <laughs> happened? And I was, like, 190. Give us details. Five. I want and,
3: details. And, and, and so I, like, I hit up Jay. So I was like, hey, oh man, come. Uh, he's like, <laughs> I told him, I was like, I'm going to go do jiu right now. He's like, oh, I want to come. I was like, bro, come through, like, and everything. And um, but I was I, love ner- it. But I was nervous. So I was like, man, like. Uh I hope I don't like mess him up too bad. You know, I just started working with him. I don't want to get fired right away. Uh <laughs> <The> excuse me. And, <laughs> and I was I was genuinely concerned. I was like, I don't even know if I know how <laughs> to go genuinely, soft. Like, genuinely concerned. <laughs> and so he comes, he comes in and everything. And um so I was going light with him, and he took advantage of me. And I, he, I was going light with him. What does that mean? Meaning you weren't, you were you weren't going. to so you can <laughs> you can use
1: that excuse for the first time yeah. you get tapped. Once somebody rolls you up pretty good, yeah. then you anybody who does jujitsu knows. Okay, I can turn up the heat with this one. <laughs> <laughs> so that definitely wasn't the case because by the eleventh time that I tapped him out in a five minute round,
3: hey, you know, you know. He, he did that, he did that, he did that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and I don't suck either, so I, I was I was impressed. I'm a purple belt.
2: purple belt. Dad, what level are you? Well, because I know you don't have a
3: belt. I don't really have belts, so a lot it of depends on who you, you, you ask. So so, like, J- so Jason is probably like a brown belt. He could easily be a black belt if he would show up to class and just, and just get promoted and harder. just train and learn a few other things. Oh, look at this. Lily's over here inspiring her dad. Train I've never, I've, you know, typically to get belts, you have to be a gi
1: fighter. You have to wear the gi. Uh-huh. I've never owned a gi. I've shown up to, I can count on two hands the yeah. amount of gi classes I've been in. And I do well. because It my, sounds like you style. don't need it.
3: Oh, and Jason has this one. Can we, c- we can't cuss on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> J- Jason has this one uh, move he does. It's called the banana split. Oh yeah. And, and the uh,
1: can opener. The can opener is the one I get most people with. But the banana split's more embarrassing. Yes. And any wrestler knows the banana split. Not every wrestler knows a can opener, but I learned it in junior high wrestling. So I wrestled in seventh grade in West Virginia, and wrestling in West Virginia was way more brutal than wrestling here. I wrestled here in high school. And the, ad- <laughs> the advice that we got as kids, keep in mind, how old are you in seventh grade? You're 12? 12, yeah. 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 Like that. So at 12 years old, they're teaching us how to break <laughs> legs, break noses, <laughs> In wrestling. Oh, like, my goodness. <laughs> you know, it, it was. Uh, oh, my goodness. So a lot of the moves I learned, though, transitioned really well into MMA and jiu-jitsu. Like, if you, if I'm doing MMA or jiu-jitsu, to this day, those fundamentals I learned in seventh grade wrestling, when I sucked at wrestling. It's incredible. I drilled them so many times that they're just in my head, and then eventually I got good at them, and then I was good at wrestling and by the time I got to high school. So, yeah, what, so were all
0: your friends doing this
1: as well? Um, Were they all involved
0: in, in mixed martial arts? Well, no, I,
1: I grew up in West Virginia, and mixed martial uh-huh. arts wasn't a thing yet, okay. but we used to call it King of the Hill. Okay. And so I had a lot of Taekwondo background. I had uh, Aikido background, and then I started doing some wrestling on top of it. And so basically I just understood the concept of just bend stuff the way it's in a way it's not supposed to go or bend things too far, and the person will tap out <laughs> because it hurts. And so any type of joint, if I, if I go too far that way, if I go too far this way, and so um, just understanding that concept, I, was, I learned moves, but I also would make up a lot of them, and I would just try them out on people.
2: Problem solving.
1: <laughs> Problem solving. And so King of the Hill was just like you get up on the hill, and if you're on top, any type of mound, you know. And uh, you didn't even need a hill, but we would just call it that. And then when you were on the quote-unquote hill, uh, everyone would challenge you. And then you would, like, fight someone until somebody, we called it uncle back then. It wasn't tap. You say uncle when you, like, are hurt too bad or you give up. And then whoever was left standing and you would keep doing it. And in wrestling, they call it like round robin or they call it shark tank. When you start from the lightest weight and they they just wrestle up and whoever wins stays. And so every now and then you have a small guy that will just beat everybody and he ends up with like a heavyweight, you know, challenging a heavyweight because he keeps winning, but then he's really exhausted. And so that was my, that was our idea of fun uh, when we were kids. And so when it got into combat sports and stuff, I had some training plus we had, done that. Uh, so that, w-
0: that was really nice of your mom to make sure you got your, my your mom got training. me into it
1: because um, I, you know I, my dad wasn't around and she knew that in the neighborhood like I was going to be in a situation where I had to do something. So so have you, you be ever been in a
2: situation that. where you had to use it? Yeah Good and you know what it. it
1: got used more for defending others so okay. I rarely got in a fight one on one for someone for, for like you know it was always like I remember one real memorable fight because uh, all the people in the fight that I fought Became my friends, and a couple of them became like my best friends. And uh, sadly, one of them passed away, but one of them is still living, and I'm still in touch with him to this day. But um, these three guys were bullying this this bigger guy, and uh, he was kind of like chubby, and he was kind, and he was running from them, screaming, yelling help. And <laughs> I was a weird kid. I lived across the street from this playground. It was all wood. And I had all these ninja weapons that are, like, highly illegal, especially in California, right? <laughs> like, real weapons that you're not supposed to have as a kid. I had scythes, I had swords. I had razor-sharp throwing stars. I had knives. I had throwing spikes. I had nunchucks. And so I would go practice. I would go by myself in, like, solitude, and I would, like, go across the playground, balance across the high thing with my wow. feet, jump off and flip. I would do the bars, and I would do all this ninja training. Like, I, I was a ninja. And so... Um, As I'm doing my ninja training, like, what better time? I'm in the middle of my ninja training so I can protect people with my ninja skills. And here comes this kid kicking and screaming, help, help. And he starts reaching up to my feet to pull him up onto the bar so these kids will stop beating him up. And I can't lift him up. He's a big kid, you know. He's he's way (laughs) taller than me, way bigger than me. So I was like, guys, leave him alone. That's not even a fair fight. It's three on one. They're like, what are you going to do about it? And so... I have a couple scuffles with them, and then they get nervous because they see, like, I know how to fight. Like, kicks or exchange a sweep, and then I'm like, come with me to my yard. I walk across the street, and my senseis would always say, you can almost always avoid the fight. If you don't try over and over to avoid the fight, then you're not a true warrior. A true warrior can avoid the fight. I love that. So, to me, I'm like, I can't just fight these guys because they're not attack- – like, one guy attacked me. I grabbed his feet and threw him, and he fell. Another guy tried something. And so I was like, but if they go on my property. Oh, that, was the, that was my Because I have all these skills, but I never get to use them because you can almost always get out of a fight, right? And so I was like, if they come up into my yard, if they walk up the steps into my yard, then I can fight these guys. And they did it. And I did a, like a headlock judo <laughs> throw to one guy. I punched him in the chest. The other guy, you know, tackles me off of, the, off of him. And now the guy who's getting bullied he feels super excited he has someone on his team. And now he wants to jump in.
3: And so he jumps <laughs> in and says ah. And then,
1: like, uh, we, quote, unquote, win the fight. No one was hurt too badly or anything. And they leave, and then they come back with more people and all these boards, and that's when my mom comes out, like, what the hell's going on? I was like, oh, I beat these guys up. But it's okay, because they came onto our property. <laughs> <laughs> and then I ended up becoming uh, friends with those guys and, and – The two that are still alive, um, one of them I never hung out with that much. He was actually, uh, his dad had money. They owned like a carpet store and stuff like that. But we still, every now and then on Facebook. And then Melvin, Melvin had the roughest life Mm. of anyone I'd ever met. And Melvin I stay in touch with to this day. And uh, when I talk about perspective, I don't think my life was that bad. And people out here think I had a really tough life when they hear the story. But I'm like, let me tell you about my friend Melvin. Melvin had Ampentago with a mm. face, so his whole face had scars. They called him uh, Scarface Shrimp was one of his nicknames. He had all these nicknames. His uh, something with What his, was that from? Uh, Ampentago is usually from dirty water. It, <gasps> it happens in poverty countries and stuff like that. Um, it's, it happens in really poor places typically where they don't have like the water runoff right and stuff like that. But it's usually from contaminated water from what I understand. He um, never grew yeah. that tall. He had something wrong with him. Okay. Uh, he used to, he was like the ultimate ninja. So when I would jump off of something 15 feet, he'd jump off of something like 20 feet, like and land on his feet. And he wouldn't even like, I would do this like hit and roll thing. He wouldn't even do that. Well, that caused some problem in his foot from doing that for so long that they had to cut off his foot. And Mm. so he had to learn to walk again with half of a foot. His dad passed away. They buried his dad in his yard his mom passed away they bury his mom in his yard i mean he had he he had a terrible he had a child with a woman who was on drugs she left him with the baby the baby had autism severe adhd and all these problems now he's raising this kid uh i mean it it goes on and on and on how's he doing now he's fine like he's he's living (laughs) to him that's life To him, he's like, what does he have to complain about? That's all he knows. And that's why when people are like, man, you must have been so scared as a child or it was so rough, it's like, when you're a kid, that's all you know. I don't have a lot. Like, yeah, it was scary to see my mom with a knife through her throat. That was a scary situation. And one of the things that developed is being through, I guess, intense situations like that. Whenever I'm in, like, even a combat situation, if I'm going to – wrestle or jujitsu or if i get in a cage and i'm about to fight someone mma my whole body goes calm and i remember feeling that way Mm -hmm. i was very focused everything seemed to go in slow motion but when my mom had a knife to her neck everything was calm but everything was sharp my senses were sharp and i've had uh, multiple guns i had a gun pointed to my head when i was living with my aunt one of the neighbors pointed it at me and my cousin as like a joke or whatever but my cousin just shut down and lost it and I stayed really sharp. And there's and some skill that I've, I, I don't know if it developed or I don't know how it happened. But, um, and as an adult, I've had a gun pointed at my head a few times. Um, some gangsters in Chula Vista when we were like 18, 19, when I was with Giancarlo. And Giancarlo was begging them to save my life. And it was a double barrel shotgun right in my head. And I was just completely euphoric, mm. like calm.
2: That's something you've taught us, that whenever we're under stress, just stay calm and like, because when you panic then when you panic you waves.
1: die. when you yeah. panic, you die If you're in the ocean and you start getting sucked out by a rip corner you get rip current or you're getting hit by big waves. if you panic you die. And so one thing I've always learned in high stress situations when I'm doing an epic fighting show, if I panic the show doesn't happen because there's always something that I a fire I have to put out for the show to happen. If the show doesn't happen, the whole company goes bankrupt. Mm-hmm. I mean imagine like you sold twenty thousand dollars worth of tickets plus twenty thousand dollars in sponsorships and whatever. And the show doesn't happen, everybody wants a refund, but you've already spent the money on insurance and venue and cake mm. setup and labor, you're bankrupt, Didn't period. you say
2: my mom noticed that before every fight you would get sick because of all the stress? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so leading up for a long time, I was had so much on my plate and doing so much that she noticed I would get sick every time. And that's something I've been very cognizant of now that it's even... Ever since she it's said It's a good that.
0: point because cuz stress is because one Because what best. I, one one thing I found it about you makes you sick, makes you ill.
1: Everybody has a breaking point, right? You right. could eat the healthiest food, but if you're super stressed, you could still get sick. Right. right? If your environment, if you're not drinking the right amount of water. And so, I always if you're not getting enough sleep. So I'm always very cognizant like if I didn't get enough sleep last night and I ate like crap the night before, I'm not going to go all out on my workout. Because I know my body can only handle so much stress. So my workout that day might be a little more yoga, a little more stretching, a little more in the sun, skateboarding, something of that nature. But I'm not going to do wind sprints and max out on my pull-ups and everything because my body has a breaking point. And so I'm always cognizant of like, how's my body feel? How much sleep did I get? Am I drinking enough water? Am I eating processed foods? How much living water-based foods have I eaten today? And my body starts feeling out of whack. I bet you that meal that we had today at Henry's we'll put it back. I bet you a nap, we'll put it back. I bet you some water with minerals in it, we'll put it back. And so... It's the balance. It's, yeah, you gotta take care of that.
0: It's definitely the balance. So many
1: people are living in an acidic environment in their body. Their body's all acidic because they're putting it through way too much stress and you're slowly killing yourself and then what thrives in acidic environments? Colds, flus, cancer. One out of two people will get cancer in America and one out of five of those die from it.
0: We we have a lot of doctors on the show, and, and mm-hmm. this this one doctor that uh, I interviewed recently uh, said with some of his patients, uh, he, f- he feels the ones that survive and live to be much older. Really, it's their attitude and their attitude of gratitude and, and just that positivity. So I think, you know, it's the balance of everything, and so it's what you're saying Like well. you could be
1: making the healthiest food but being stressed out about it, and it's like – Like we were talking earlier, I had someone come speak at Epic Mastermind and she was the nutrition specialist and she had done TED Talks and everything and she knew what she was talking about. I learned so much from her speech and then we go out to eat and she's eating what I would consider. I mean, it wasn't vegan. I just assumed that she was vegan or mostly vegan because she's talking about eating healthy. And I just assumed that everything she ate was organic and, you know, (laughs) and she's eating this bowl of like chicken greasy noodles, you know, (laughs) and she said something that stuck with me. She said. I would either I would rather eat a bowl of greasy noodles amongst good company, than a bowl of health food amongst bad company. Meaning that your diet is super important, but your mental diet is just as important, yes, if not more. If not more, I if agree. you have people around you that are positive, that's more important than being in the environment. You know what I mean? That where you're absolutely healthy, so. well, because
0: well, that's infectious. It's contagious. You know, if you're around people that are, you know, thinking uh, happy thoughts and and spreading, you know, saving the planet. You are who you hang around. Exactly, exactly. Lily, I'm sure you're trying to hang out with people that inspire you and, and, you know, the ones that are doing well in school. And uh, Well,
1: Lily, if we're talking about that, Lily has trouble with uh, history grade. Okay. And so she doesn't like to do her homework. She doesn't like to turn it in. She's up turning in late and not getting uh, half credit. So I remember one time I walked in and I said to her friends that she was hanging out with, I was like, what's your grade in history? And then I I would even say, why are you failing history? And sure enough, those two girlfriends that she's hanging out with were both failing history. I was like, you knew how I knew they were failing history? Because you're failing history, (laughs) and this is who you've been hanging out with every
0: day. I would always tell my kids, uh, you know, try to hang out with, The kids that are, you know, doing really well in school and, you know, and study with them. And uh, we had a lot of get-togethers at our house. And uh, I would invite uh, the parents, the parents that I really liked and had them all bring their kids. And that's how we would just have parties and get-togethers. And uh, they all had the same mindset of wanting their kids to do well and get good grades. And all those kids ended up with scholarships for academics and sports. There you go. And my kids are doing really well right now. So... We only have a few more minutes left. So I want to know uh, what is still on your bucket list. Uh, you're so successful, and uh, I know you have some. Uh, so I want to hear about that, and I also want to hear what uh, goals you have for Lily and how I you want to like inspire Lily her. i Lily to make her own goals. Um, okay.
1: So there's certain things I'm like, look, you're going to learn. Like, she still hasn't learned to free skate, but she's going to learn. I'm you're, almost there. She's close. I'm you're going to learn to surf. You're going to skateboard. Now, like with my son. He learned how to do all of these things. And when it's time to go cruise the boardwalk and go to the playground to play, lately he chooses his rollerblades. Dad, do I have to skateboard with you guys? No, if you want to rollerblade, you rollerblade. Do what you want to do. So I want them to choose their own goals, but I want to expose them to enough things to where they have enough information to know because if you don't break that initial barrier of learning how to surf, of learning how to write, of learning how to make a poem, of learning how to ride free skates or... Do tricks on a BMX bike. Go to the skate park. You know, skateboarding and the boardwalk is different than the skate park. So we go to the to the skate park and try to do different things there. And now they may just have more hobbies and get good at all of them, or they may just find fall into a, a passion with with one of them. So I want her to make her her own goals. I'm trying I love to that. learn
2: how to skate like. Well I can skate like on a boardwalk, but I want to learn tricks. And a lot of my friends are really good at tricks, so I can just ask You're them talking about skateboard. Yeah. Skateboarding.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, like d- during the uh, pandemic, I got a skateboard. Uh, well, actually, my skateboard, I got I, I got it was for Christmas, the Christmas right before the pandemic hit. Right. And so um, I had a friend come hang out during the pandemic and she was showing me a couple tricks. And one of them that she tried to do that she could almost barely do was like a handstand on the skateboard. And then I tried and I was almost as good as her. Just I think I just had a lucky first run. And uh, that motivated me to want to do it more and more. And by the end of the pandemic, I was one of the best, if not the best in the world at doing handstands on a skateboard. Incredible. And so it's just like I would have never even been exposed to that. And now it's like a fun thing to do. Uh, it's a cool party trick. And so. Um, As
0: a father, you're really helping your kids. uh Realize how important our planet is, and you're really helping them save the planet because you're, you know, you're, you're trying to say, "Hey, let's not drive around in a car. Let's get to and from on the bicycle and the skateboard." You're, you're teaching her to be more plant
1: based, which really helps the environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what other ways? Well, I I um, went to dinner. A, a girlfriend of mine was hanging out with her girlfriends, and she said, "Hey, come on through, come hang out. We hadn't seen each other in a long time." And I show up and. Um, She said, hey, I know you're vegan. I see on your profile and everything. Are you vegan lifestyle? I was like, what does that mean? Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, do you only not eat animals? Or do you not wear them and Mm -hmm. drive them and this and that? And I said, oh, my gosh. How much of a hypocrite are we if we're telling everyone that they need to be vegan to save the planet? Vegan if you care about animals. But we're wearing leather. And so now I have a bunch of leather stuff. I don't want to just throw it away. I feel that'd be even more disrespectful. That's almost right. But anything I buy going forward, I'm looking to see if there's a leather substitute. And so many companies are on that boat. They're making leather out of cactus now. Uh, They're making more canvas-based products and stuff like that, bamboo, cotton. And so um, there's always that next level. The best thing you can do is educate and then share your education. But I think the the worst thing we can do is preach. You know, my dad got really into religion, and all of a sudden it became, you need to do this, you need to do that, you're not living by God, you're not living by that. And everyone he encounters pretty much in the family that I know of has been really turned off by it. Like, they, almost, like I was going to church, but I don't even want to go anymore since right. talking to you. And we become, I notice a lot of people will start doing it, and they get this high and mighty type of attitude. And so I never try to tell people what's right or wrong. Right. Even from a health perspective. I told my dad, I was like, look, I used to preach meat every day. Meat, 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 meat. You have to eat meat. I was a fitness trainer, so I'm an expert. I have all these certifications. I'm telling people to eat meat. Fast forward now I haven't eaten meat in ten years. Well, I think don't you think it's everything in moderation? Because like uh, even though I have a Maybe. P- I show mean,
0: about saving e- the planet.
2: One thing is that go ahead. we buy like our vegetables from our farmers market where they grow it themselves and it's like mm-hmm. A lot more like ethically sustainable. Local and that's shop local, local, I love it. Yes, and also I think you should do that when you buy meats too. Meats from like local people who like kill their own animals there because it's like healthier for you and healthier for the environment.
0: Lily, thank you for bringing that up because that yeah. you know how did I not even think of that? Because shop, it, shop local
2: and shop like um, try and to that's shop so sustainable. Your waste, bring your own bags and things like that.
0: So I think we only have one more minute left. We only have a, a very short time left. So mm-hmm. in closing, what do you want, want to be remembered for? What's, what's the most important thing to you? Oh, Jason man. Stewart.
1: I, if I could be remembered for anything, I would, I would like my life to be an inspiration for others, to change the norm, to change the way you feel like you have to live, and to change the definition of success. I think so many people just such associate success with money. I could have way more money, but my quality of life it'd be difficult to beat how it is right now. And I feel like I'm going to live a really long time, be very healthy. I feel like every year I'm going to get more physically fit going to learn more skills. And, um, you know, we could talk about all the other little details, but I think quality of life, people, people don't put that on their list of success. And I want to inspire people that you don't have to live the way everyone tells you that you need to live. You know, the, the way that you, where you live, how you live, where you travel, who you do things with, the type of experiences you can have, can um, can be changed because America has a, a kind of a definition of it that is not um, it's not shared by the rest of the world. Like Americans who think they're really successful, the other world feels sorry for them a lot of times. And you don't know that until you travel.
0: Well, I think you are living the dream, and you are definitely an inspiration.
1: I feel like that.
0: You get to enjoy your day. You're, you're, you. you're out there in the ocean, uh, and you are setting a great example for Lily. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for Thank having us. Thank you guys me.
2: for having us, yeah
0: saving the planet one, one show at a show time through a great lifestyle that's awesome we
1: didn't even go awesome
3: we didn't even go awesome
1: we didn't even go awesome we didn't even go awesome